Please stand and join us as we worship the Lord through song this morning, singing out a great anthem as we prepare to see some baptisms this morning. Jesus is still saving souls. Amen. Let's sing it out. Hear the heart of heaven beating. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And the hush of mercy breathing. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Hear the hosts of angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. And the sound in joy repeating. Jesus saves. In the humblest hearts of your hand. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And the wise bow before Him. Jesus saves. Today, I'm very excited to start our service this morning by baptizing three of our adults. And before we do so, I just want to call your attention to the videos that you're about to hear. I know that some of us here still have questions about the gospel or maybe questions about baptism. How do those two things go together? What did Jesus teach What does it mean to put faith in Christ? What does it mean to be a true follower of Jesus? I am so proud of Mike and Brianna and Jordan, who will be baptized here in just a couple of minutes. But I think their testimonies are just outstanding in their clarity about the gospel. And so I would just encourage you to 
settle in. I know it's early in the service, so just settle in and really listen in on these testimonies. I think they'll be a blessing to you. The first that we're going to start with is Mike Waltersdorf. So I'm going to have Mike come down with me. Mike, would you join me down here? And I want you to hear this testimony, and then I'm super excited to baptize Mike in just a moment. My name is Mike Waldersdorf, and I've been going to FEC for about seven years. Um, I grew up in the church, but uh, we never really lived like we were Christians. Um, and throughout my life, uh, I knew the Lord was calling me, but I was not answering his call. I was happy doing the things I was doing. And then about four years ago, I started discipleship meetings with Steve Zacker, and we went through the New Testament, most of it, throughout those three years. He was very patient with me. And uh, some recent circumstances had me asking a lot of questions. And uh, on January 8th, I joined a community group meeting online and uh, knew then that I had to turn my life around. So that night, after the meeting, I got on my knees, repented of my sin, and gave my life to Christ. And so I consider January 8th my second birthday. There's a big difference between knowing the gospel message and receiving it for yourself, isn't it? There's a big difference between understanding that you're a sinner, but then actually repenting from sin and saying, I choose Jesus instead. Big difference. I thank you for that testimony. That's really powerful and encouraging. And based on that testimony and what Jesus commanded, he commanded us to baptize those that come to him. So based on those two things, I'm excited to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So buried with him in baptism. And raised to walk in new life. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. The next one you're going to hear is Brianna uh, Wolfenbarger. And I'm super excited to be able to baptize Brianna. Uh, Mari and I have had the privilege of doing marriage mentoring with Bree and her husband, Jordan. And hearing their testimony and just hearing what God's doing in their life. And I'm glad that you can hear it for yourself this morning. Hi, my name is Brianna Wolfenbarger. I grew up going to church with my grandparents when I was young, but I generally um, struggled with my faith most of my life. I didn't really know if there was a God or how to have a relationship with Him or what it meant to be saved, and I always considered myself to be a good person. So I felt that if there was a heaven, there was a God, that that's surely where I would be going one day. Um, but in 2019, I became pregnant with Jordan and I's first child, James, and I was so excited to become a mother. But it stirred up a lot of fear in me about what his future would hold, not just physically, but spiritually. So I found myself opening up to God about these fears and 
I began to pray and I finally decided to open up a Bible and really read it for the first time in my life. And it flipped my entire understanding of my life and myself on its head. I especially struggled with um, just a lack of assurance about my faith and I truly felt like I would never be able to have that. God revealed to me three major things. Um, The first thing he revealed to me was that I was a sinner and I was not this good person that I had always regarded myself as when I evaluated myself to his law. Um, So rather it be working on a Sunday or gossiping or being angry at somebody, um, just as James 2.10 says, forever for whoever holds the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he is guilty of all. So it didn't matter if I committed what I considered the smallest of sins, it may may as well be the biggest of sins because either way I've sinned against God. And because um, I have sinned against God, uh, sins have consequences. And because God is just, he demands payment for those sins. Which led me to my second big realization was my need for Christ. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, Jesus was holy, sinless, and righteous, and we are unholy and sinful and unrighteous. And it is only through his death, burial, and resurrection that we can be forgiven our sins, all past, present, and future. And because God sacrificed his only son, it led me to my third realization, which was God's love. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And though I cannot even begin to comprehend God's love, knowing he gave his only son, as a sacrifice for our sins was extremely profound to me, Um, especially being pregnant at the time with my only son. I couldn't even begin to make, uh, imagine making such a sacrifice, especially since Jesus was the holy, sinless son of God. Nobody was less deserving of such a physical death, but God did that so all of us unworthy sinners could have salvation through his son, Jesus. And I had heard parts of the gospel before, but it never really clicked for me. Um, But I believe God used my circumstances at the time to draw me to him and soften my heart and give me the clarity and assurance that I needed. And not too long after that, right before my son was born, I uh, prayed to God for my forgiveness and repented of my sins and put my full faith in Christ alone. that even good people, even nice people, need to acknowledge their sin and need to uh, accept Jesus Christ's payment for that sin. And that's what's so, to me, so awesome about your testimony. Thank you for sharing that with us. So um, I just want to also mention that this water, church, you know this, but the water doesn't do anything to wash away sin. This is actually just a physical 
representation of what you just expressed verbally, that you are in Christ, and in Christ, like him, you're buried and raised to new life. So based on your testimony of faith already in Jesus Christ and on his command to baptize, I want to do so in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So step up here. Buried with him in baptism and raised to walk a new life. God's people said, Amen. Amen. Our last one is Bree's husband, Jordan, and uh, another great testimony. I'm excited for you to hear. Jordan, come on down as they play the video. Hi, my name is Jordan Wolfenbarger. Um, I was about the age of nine um, attending an Awana program at the Evangelical Free Church we were going to. Um, and I just remember um, the pastor speaking the message that night um, about how Christ came and he died for our sins and um, he was speaking of hell. And I knew as a small child that um, I definitely didn't want to go to that place. And so after Pastor Dave finished the message, I remember uh, meeting with him and just going over some scripture. And I remember, um, I believe it was Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I asked him, um, how, as a child, do I not go to hell? And he had me repeat the infamous, uh, the sinner's prayer. There were times that I would feel guilty about the way I was living, but I just thought that, well, I'm a sinner and God will forgive me. At 18, I went off to the Marine Corps and I could really start to feel myself running in the opposite direction of God. Um, alcohol became a big factor in my life at this time. Even after I had gotten out of the military, um, alcohol was at the forefront of my life and everything that I did. Life would seem to be going okay, but then I would um, endure some hardships or I'd get in some trouble. Um, so I'd kind of go back to my, I'm sorry, Lord, and confess my sins um, and pick up my Bible and start attending a church for a Sunday or two. Um, and even though I had confessed my sins, um, I wasn't truly repenting of my sins, which I later came to realize what that truly meant. In 2018, I met my wife, Brianna, and shortly after that, we were married and had our firstborn, James. Um, it was about the winter of 2020 when we moved to Wolverine Lake, and I remember my wife had brought up, um, she really wanted to attend a church, and so she asked me, um, knowing that I had grown up in a Christian home, what she should look for in a church, and I just told her remember my parents always telling me, look for a church that preaches from the Bible and preaches God's word and doesn't steer from it. In the spring of 2021, my wife and I started attending First Baptist Church of Wixom here. And I remember it being um, an encouraging time of coming here. Um, I knew it was a place that we needed to be, but I wasn't quite sure what that all meant yet. We went a few more times, um, but it really started to bother me coming to church. Um, not that there was anything wrong with the church, but it was the way I was living. Um, see, I was severely addicted to alcohol for the last 12 years, and coming to church really started to convict me in ways um, of the way I was living and how I was um, 
professing to be a Christian. I remember coming one Sunday and Pastor Brad speaking um, specifically on the gospel and repentance and what true repentance looks like as a Christian. Um, it's just not confessing your sins, but also repenting. And I remember him saying that that was turning away from your sin. And that really resonated with me and convicted me in that moment um, because I had always been confessing my sins to the Lord, but I wasn't truly repenting and turning away from my sin. After that message, um, I remember I really started to question my salvation and if I was truly saved. It was through a series of events over the next year um, that led me to um, a downfall. August 11th, 2022 um, was a day I will never forget. It was a day um, that I never wanted to look in the mirror again. I was destroying my marriage and putting my family on the back burner. I was living such a selfish and sinful lifestyle. But then something incredible and amazing happened. August 14th of 2022, um, I remember I was at my wit's end and I did not know where to turn other than to text Pastor Brad that morning. It was a Sunday morning and I texted Pastor Brad and I came to the service and I asked if I could meet with him after church and just discuss some things with him. And so after um, the church service, him and I met in his office and I just broke down to him and let him know exactly um, how my life was going and things I was involved with and things I was questioning. And I remember he am pointing everything directly back to the Bible and the gospel. As I walked out of his office that morning, um, I had a sense of peace come over me because I knew exactly um, what I had to do. And so I remember going back to um, the hotel room I was staying at that weekend and I got down on my knees and I remember um, confessing and actually truly repenting of my sins and telling the Lord that I did not want to do these things anymore and that I wanted the Lord to take the burden of addiction away from me. I wasn't making this decision um, like I did when I was a child um, based on the fear of hell, but that He was a holy and righteous God and that I am not holy and that I'm a sinner and that I need someone to save me from that sin. And the only one that could do that was Jesus Christ for what he did on Calvary. 2 Timothy 2.13 If we believe it not, he abideth faithful because he cannot deny himself. And that has always um, resonated with me as a new Christian. He's also given me new life. And um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, I am new. On August 14th, 2022, I got down on my knees and I confessed and I repented of my sins and the Lord saved me. I am now able to be a spiritual leader for my wife and my two boys. I am in discipleship with a godly man in the church and my wife and I just finished marriage mentoring and we continue to grow in the Lord daily and I thank God for his faithfulness and his patience with me. I'm so glad that your parents advised you to find a church that preaches the Bible and you found us. We're so glad to have you and Bree and the boys as part of our church family. There's a big difference between um, 
just making a profession of faith and praying a prayer and actually repenting and following Jesus and making that personal commitment to him, which you've done now. And we're so proud of you and, and excited for what God's doing in your life and how he's growing you already. So it's really a privilege to baptize you based on that testimony and on what Jesus commanded us to do. And again, just symbolizing it with uh, this baptism in water. Like as Jesus was buried and rose, you're buried today and symbolizing your new life in Christ. So I want to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in baptism, and raised to walk in new life. God's people said, Amen. I hope that was as big a blessing to all of you as it was to us up here. Uh, praise God for the, the change that he's making in lives. God is still saving people as people come to an understanding of what it means to put faith in Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never, as they said, repented from your sin and chosen to follow Jesus, put your faith in him exclusively. That is the message of the Bible. That is the message of this church. And that is what we want you to go away with today. So we could probably just pray and go home, but I'm going to have you stick around. I got a message I want to preach to you this, uh, this morning that I think will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. Let me pray for us as we begin today. Father, we're so grateful for all that you've done for us, and we thank you for these three and their testimony this morning, for Mike and Bree and Jordan. and Lord, all three of them having a sense of being okay with you. But then coming to a realization that they had never truly put faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, it was, it was Jesus, our Savior, that said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That no man comes to the Father except through Jesus. And we've seen that symbolized this morning with these baptisms. I pray that you would lock that truth in our minds and hearts. Lord, if there are some here today who don't know Jesus as Savior, they don't understand what it means to be forgiven from their sin and on their way to heaven, would you today use these testimonies to teach that to their heart? And may they put their faith in Jesus Christ and that they too would follow you, um, not just in faith, but in baptism and glorify you with that. Thank you for this. Please bless our service as we worship you and look into your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for worship today at First Baptist Church of Wixom. Here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected. There will be a lunch in the cafe today after the morning worship gathering for everyone who is new to FBC. If you are new to FBC and have never been to a New Here luncheon, please plan to join us for a light lunch in the cafe today. Our quarterly member meeting is scheduled for next Sunday, April 30th. Join us after the AM worship for a time of celebrating God's blessings on First Baptist Church. Please see the meeting information posted in the link. Community groups continue tonight at 6 p.m., so make sure to pick up a study guide in the back of the auditorium to use for the discussion. If you are not yet connected with a Sunday night community group, please visit fbcwixom.org forward slash community groups for more information. Community groups meet most Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. In just a few minutes, we will be dismissing children four years to the third grade out the back of the auditorium to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. 
Giving is one of the many ways we have to worship the Lord. If you'd like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixom.org and click on the tab at the top of the page. If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you'd like more info about FBC, prayer, or to learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connections card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center for a special gift on your way out after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. Now we invite you to worship the Lord through song as we prepare to hear from God's Word this morning. Pastor Brad mentioned, I mean, we've already had a great time of worship this morning, so I'm just excited that we get to continue to worship through song. Today we're going to be emphasizing God as our friend, and I'm just so thankful that he is a friend that sticks closer than any brother. He's always there to extend his love, grace, and mercy towards us. Let's stand together as we sing out, my Jesus, I love thee. Because you have loved us. You first loved us. And Lord, help us to draw near to you as you promised to draw near to us. As we just want to worship you in spirit and in truth this morning. I'm so thankful that we serve a Savior who is always there for us. He's strong and consistent and yet kind and gracious to always sustain us and guide us in our path. Let's continue to sing Jesus, strong and kind. Jesus. 
The uh, song that I'm about to sing is based off of a few different passages of Scripture, uh, mostly from Psalm 115 and Psalm 135. Uh, Psalm 135, 15 through 19 says, The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them are like them, so is everyone who trusts in them. Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. And First Thessalonians 1, 9 through 10, uh, speak on a, a similar subject. It says, And how you turn from God, turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So this song is a reminder that we don't serve a, a silent, uncaring God made from stone, but we serve Elohim Chaim, or El Chai, the living God. I need to turn my page.
The God whose voice creation heeds Spoke and all things came to be The echoes still have never ceased Since the living God proclaimed it El Chai, the living God Is not a silent stone A help to those who trust in Him He'll not forget his own. He's alive and he speaks and he hears and he sees. Hallelujah, oh praise his name. We were once found for the grave, born in sin and led astray. Worship lies until the day when the one true God would win us. Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, God incarnate, born for death, died in three days, rose again, and the living God still liveth. El Chai, the living God, is not a silent stone. Help to those who trust in him, he'll not forget his own. He's alive and he speaks, and he hears and he sees. Hallelujah, oh, praise his name. Now his spirit is at hand, the power of God come down to men. Dwelling not in temples grand, for the living God lives in us. He who hears the righteous plea, in prayer his spirit intercedes. Guides our path, he is our peace, for the living God lives in us. not a silent stone, a help to those who trust in him, he'll not forget his own, he's alive and he speaks, and he hears and he sees, hallelujah, oh, praise his name, he's alive and he speaks, and he and he sees, hallelujah, oh, praise his name, hallelujah, oh, praise his name. Awesome, thank you for that. Samuel, what he didn't tell you is he wrote that song, I appreciate that biblical reminder that our God is alive and listening and involved in our lives today. I invite you to take your Bibles, please, and turn to Psalm number 41. Psalm number 41, if you would, please. We've been going through a theology in the Psalms on Sunday mornings. And if you're wondering what is a theology that sounds like a complicated subject, a theology is simply a study of God that really answers two questions, and those are simple and related questions. The first is, who is God, or what is he like? And the second is, what should I do about it? 
If I know what God is like, there is a response that a human is supposed to give to that knowledge. And in fact, this is why the Psalms are such a beautiful theology, because in the Psalms, over and over and over again, we learn what God is like, and then we see demonstrated for us by the psalmist how we should respond. We know our God is worthy of praise, and that word praise means to have his greatness applauded. And so every Sunday morning this year, we've looked at another characteristic of God, and I've encouraged you to applaud him for his greatness. Last Sunday morning, we considered the fact that he is the great forgiver. And what a blessing that God forgives sin. By the way, don't miss the point that that message is really about God's forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 tells us that we are to be kind and to forgive others even as God forgave us. So we have to ask the question, okay, how did God forgive us? And that message last week was really about God's forgiveness. You don't need to confess your sin to me or to a window in a booth or to a priest or to your social media followers or to anybody but God. Now, James teaches us that it's helpful sometimes to sit down with a friend and confess my sin to my friend, as Jordan actually discussed this morning. It's helpful to do that and say, okay, would you pray with me and help me and point me to truth? But the grievance is against God. And that is who we confess to. That is who we get things right with. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And and that really, last week, is a really great illustration of this truth that God is who God is. We just respond Sometimes we take too much credit in the relationship. And this is why a theology is so important. We need to figure out who God is, understand who God is, so that we can appropriately respond. It starts with his character, not our response. He is the great cause that affects how we respond to him. And today is no different. He is the initiator of an eternal friendship. An eternal friendship. So how do you respond to the truth that God wants to be your friend? We're in Psalm 41, and if you would follow along with me, I'm going to read the whole psalm, and then I want to show you some simple truths from this psalm that I think will help you this morning. Psalm 41, blessed is he that considers the poor or the weak. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing, thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me, heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Mine enemies speak evil of me, when shall he die and his name perish? And if he come to see me, he speaketh vanity, his heart gathereth iniquity to itself. When he goes abroad, he tells it. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. An evil disease, say they, cleaves fast unto him. And now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me, and raise me up, that I might requite them. By this I know that thou favoredst me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. 
And as for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity and settest me before thy face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting and to everlasting. Amen and amen. Would you pray with me briefly this morning, Lord, as we come to your word, we acknowledge that our minds are easily distracted and we need the Holy Spirit to shine the light of illumination on your truth that we might see it and that we might be willing to apply it correctly in our lives today. Please help us to do that. Teach us your truth today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've told you before, I grew up with three brothers, and I adore my next older brother. Always did from the time that we were little. He's the innocent one looking, looking smug in the back behind mom back there. I adored him, and, and most of the time, he could do no wrong in my eyes. But... There were a few notable exceptions, particularly when we were going through elementary and junior high years, and he was considerably bigger than me at that time. I remember one time we were picking vegetables for mom in our enormous garden, and he came over to me with a bucket of juicy tomatoes, and one by one, he stuffed them down the back of my pants. And then he gave me a good swat to make sure they had their full effect. I was betrayed by someone that I trusted, someone that I loved. Look how sweet he looks in that picture. Not true. You ever feel this way? You ever feel like you're just clicking along, like everything's going pretty good, your friends are pretty good people, and we all just love one another, and then all of a sudden, knife in the back, or tomato down the pants, you know? You ever feel betrayed? All of a sudden, somebody is doing you wrong. Now, fortunately, I'm happy to tell you that time has healed the wounds of betrayal, and I love my brother, all right? He's actually a pastor today, all right? So he's a fairly trustworthy guy, I think, and our relationship is is just as good as ever. But sometimes we feel like those that are closest to us betray us and do us wrong, kind of a silly story, but it reminds me that it's important to us to have people we can trust. It's important to have true, dependable friendships in life. In fact, the book of Proverbs talks a lot about friendship and mentions things like this, that a true friend is actually closer than family. That a true friend gives good counsel. A true friend loves through adversity, and a true friend makes you a better person. In fact, psychologists and sociologists tell us that friendship is essential for the well-being of humans. Studies show that quality friendships are important. They increase our confidence and they improve our physical and emotional health. They educate us and they motivate us and they inspire us. But experience has taught most of us that friendships also can hurt us. They can hurt. They can be painful. And this is what is front of mind for David as he writes this psalm. My friendships hurt. Now it's important that we understand this psalm really from three different perspectives. And this morning I want to try to explain them. So the first perspective is this. David writes this psalm as a testimony of personal 
betrayal and difficulty. I want you just to think about David's life for a second. If you're familiar at all with King David, you know that he was betrayed often. He was betrayed by his king. He should have been able to trust his king, right? But as we see politicians do, Saul betrayed David's trust. David was a loyal and brave citizen, but he couldn't trust his king. David was betrayed by his wife, Michael, I don't know if you remember the story when the Ark of the Covenant is coming back to Israel and David is leading the parade and he's praising God and he's really a little over the top with his praise and his wife mocks him and shames him and betrays him. The one person in life David should have been able to trust betrayal. And then you you probably remember the story of Absalom, David's son, who wanted his dad's kingdom And was willing to do anything to get it and betrayed the trust of his father. There's other names. There's a guy by the name of Doeg the Edomite who betrayed David to King Saul. There was a man named Joab. You might remember he was in David's employ. But he ended up murdering David's son even though he was told not to. And he was disloyal and betrayed King David. Most notably, there's this guy named Ahithophel. I don't know if you've ever heard of the guy named Ahithophel in 2 Samuel chapter 15. Most Bible scholars believe that this psalm is kind of a response to Ahithophel. It says that Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then say, Absalom reigns. And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called and they went in their simplicity and didn't know anything And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor, from his city, even from Gilo, where he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. A trusted advisor turned enemy. Now think with me for just a second. This was personally painful for David. Can you imagine being betrayed by your king, by your spouse, by your children, your colleagues, your advisors, even your bodyguard? I mean, any one of them would have been hurtful, but David endured the betrayal of all of these. He knew that human relationships were fickle. In fact, ironically, perhaps the, the best and closest and most trustworthy friend that David had was Jonathan, the son of the king, who had the most to lose from their friendship. And yet he was consistent, consistently loyal. This is the attitude of David as he writes, I've been betrayed. But that is not the big picture. The big picture is actually messianic. This psalm points toward Jesus. It's really quite interesting. In John chapter 13, Jesus quotes this psalm and he says, it's talking about me. He's gathered with the disciples. You might remember in John chapter 13, he's about to wash feet and go out to the garden and be betrayed. And he says, I speak not of you all. You're not all with me. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. That is a direct quote from this psalm, verse number nine. 
And Jesus is speaking of Judas. And in just a moment, Jesus says, Judas, go do what you're going to do. And Judas goes and for 30 pieces of silver, he betrays Messiah. Now think about it for just a second. Like most of the time we think of Judas as this bad dude. But remember, Judas was one of Jesus' closest friends. He had 12 that were with him all of the time. Judas was one of his buddies. There were people who were jealous of Judas because he had such a close relationship with Jesus. And yet it was Judas that betrayed Jesus. Jesus says, my own familiar friend, the guy I sat across the table from and we broke bread together, he betrayed me. But that's not the the biggest picture of this psalm. David writes as a personal betrayal, and of course Jesus says this is a picture of the betrayal of Judas, but really this is a theology of God's loyalty as our friend. In contrast to fickle human relationships that betray and disappoint, God is an eternally faithful friend. Let me say that again. God is an eternally faithful friend. Can you say that with me? God is an eternally faithful friend. And that is the point that David is trying to make. That all of these human relationships are fickle, and yet God is eternally faithful. So we want to talk about the friendship of God, really not from the idea of God as a buddy, and not the shallow human definition of a friend like somebody I like having fun with, But the definition of a friend that would sound something like this, someone that I can expect loyalty and sacrifice from in time of trouble, that kind of friend. This was the whole point all along. Do you remember back in Genesis where God comes down and Adam and Eve hear the voice of the Lord in the garden and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord and the Lord God said unto Adam, where are you, Adam? Why was God interested? Because God consistently came down and spent time with Adam. They were what we would call friends. And this is what God wanted. He wanted a relationship. And this is why that original sin was so painful and difficult and hard. Because what Adam and Eve did is they betrayed a friendship with God. They betrayed it. But here's the remarkable thing about that betrayal. God then began a process, and he promised it in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, and he fulfilled it in the Gospels. God began a process of bringing the friendship back together again. See, Adam and Eve, they broke the relationship. And yet God, through Jesus, brings it back together. In Romans chapter 5, Paul talks about this. He says, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen to this. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, don't miss this. We just watched this illustrated this morning in the baptismal pool that Jesus died for our sins, right? The, the burial representing his death, but he was raised to new life and he wants to bring humans back to new life. He wants to give them new birth. 
He wants us to be born again in him. Why? So that we might be reconciled to God. The friendship renewed. The betrayal forgiven. This is the story of the gospel. This is what we heard this morning. This is what it is all about. God wants to be close to sinners. And sin separates us from God. It's so important to view the Psalms this way because he is the primary actor. We're not looking for a way of salvation and we figure one out. It is God who creates the way of salvation through Jesus and he reveals it in his word and says, this is what you do. You do, as you heard this morning on the testimonies, you realize, wow, I'm a sinner. I might be a good person, but I'm not as good as God. I fall short of his glory. Wow, I need somebody to solve that for me because I'm going to be eternally separated from God in a terrible place called hell. So what do I do? I put my faith in Jesus Christ. He is the solution to the sin problem. But I won't do that unless I understand that he's loyal. That he is a friend of sinners. So how do we see God in this passage? What can we learn about God? Because earthly friendships would distort a view of God. Well, if God's like my friends, who needs another friend like that, right? That's kind of what David is saying. If you don't know who God is, you might think that every friend is disloyal. So look what Psalm 41 says. David sees a couple of things here. He sees rewards for befriending the hurting. It's going to take us just a minute to get to God, but I promise we're going to work through this pretty quickly, and I want to show you what the conclusion is. But first of all, David sees rewards for befriending the hurting. Verse number one, blessed is he that considers the poor. And and I think in this psalm, David is talking about himself. I'm poor, I'm weak, I'm betrayed. Bible scholars tell us they believe that David here is sick and he's looking for somebody to support him, somebody to help him. And David says, this is what God would do for my friends if they were the least bit loyal, which they're not. Did you know this is a theme throughout scripture? If we're not careful, we could just overlook this and go, well, David's just kind of proclaiming some general blessings on nice people. But that's not what he's doing here. He's actually highlighting a priority of God. Jesus highlighted it in Matthew chapter 25. Helping hurting people is a big deal to God. For sake of time, let me just give you a couple of highlights of this passage. Jesus is talking about the end times, and he says, look, in the end, there's going to be two groups of people. There's going to be sheep and goats. Verse 33, he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats he shall set on his left. Then shall the king say to them on his right hand, Come into my kingdom. And here's why I invite you into my kingdom. Because you have done what I asked you to do. What is that that I asked you to do? You visited me when I was in prison. You gave me food when I was hungry. You gave me water when I was thirsty. You clothed me when I was naked. And the righteous will say, We don't remember doing that, Jesus. And he says, as much as you did it to the least person, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left, you can depart. I don't know you because you never did what I told you to do. And here's what I told you to do. I told you to visit those that are in prison, take care of the fatherless, feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, clothe the naked. And the, and the, the ones on his left say, Lord, 
when did we ever not do that? And Jesus says, as much as you did not do it for the least person, you did not do it to me. What is Jesus teaching in Matthew chapter 25? He's teaching that the way that we treat those that are hungry, thirsty, lonely, poor, sick, imprisoned is a really big deal to him. That's a big deal to him. James 1, 27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Want to be truly religious? Take care of hurting people. Take care of hurting people. Now we're kind of rushing through this this morning, but I just want to tell you that's a really important point. That's a point that convicts me. That's a point that I need to do something about. But notice the blessings that David sees in verse number one. He sees that God delivers this kind of person out of trouble. In verse number two, that God preserves the life of this kind of person. Verse number two, again, that God blesses and prospers. God strengthens and restores. It's sort of, if you've been paying attention to the verses, it's sort of confusing. It's like David is pronouncing a blessing on those that would help him. But then all of a sudden, he he kind of turns it on himself. It's as if David is saying, God blesses the loyal. Hey, I've been loyal. God's going to bless me. God's going to heal me. God's going to forgive me. And so then in verse number four, God heals the soul that confesses. David says, I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. This is the point that we talked about this morning. You heard a couple of people say this, hey, I repented of my sins and now I am committed to following my Savior, Jesus Christ. I no longer want the sin that I was born doing, so naturally I want to follow the Savior even though I drag my flesh along with me. I want Jesus. This is an incredibly important point. I must start by confessing and asking for mercy. Not just in salvation, but in daily life as well. Number two, I want you to see this, that David sees risks when befriending humans. Try not, as I give you this list, to think about anybody in particular, okay? But maybe you can empathize with David. You've felt this kind of betrayal. If you've ever befriended a human, you understand what David is saying here. That humans sometimes speak evil and wish harm You ever feel like somebody wants you dead? David felt that often. Humans sometimes tell lies and betray trust. Have you ever felt like your confidence was betrayed by a friend? David did. Humans sometimes devise hurt with their secrets. Ever feel like somebody is secretly planning your demise? David did. Humans sometimes hope for the failure of others. Verse number 8, and evil, that word evil is actually the word belial. So maybe there's a supernatural kind of uh, factor to this illness that he's going through. There's an evil disease on him, they say. It sticks fast to him. Now that he's down, he's down for good. It's not like they're rejoicing in his failure. Lastly, humans sometimes seek to inflict pain. My own familiar friend has lifted up his heel against 
me. This is the nature of human relationships. They're risky. And Jesus actually knew this. He knew this about Judas. He knew this when he called Judas to be one of his followers. He knew that he would be betrayed by Judas. David certainly experienced this in his life, that humans are sinful and fickle. Maybe this morning you're here and you say, wow, that, that feels like me. I, I can empathize with David. Maybe you say, I don't deserve to be beat down and betrayed, but others have lied about me. Others have treated me unfairly. So what do I do about that? Like, I can't make my friends respond correctly. I can't solve this. So how do I respond to it? What does a person do who is betrayed by those that they trust? I just want to encourage you this morning to take solace in what David took solace in. And that is that God is faithful. God is faithful. Look at the end. David sees righteousness in the friendship of God. He sees righteousness. I want you to see three things real quickly, and we're going to be done this morning, but just to highlight the character of God. David longed in verse number 10 for God's mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is when my fault is overlooked. Mercy is when something bad I deserve, I don't have to pay for. That's mercy. We talked about mercy a little bit last week that God shows in forgiveness. David said this, I long for God's mercy. I want him to overlook my fault. I want God to extend mercy to me personally. And secondly, he longed for God's favor. We might say the word grace, good things undeserved, and kindness. Mercy, grace. Verse number 12, he longed for God's presence. Now, I just want you to think about your human relationships for just a second. Wouldn't you value in your human relationships those three things? Like think about an actual friend right now. You got one in mind? Think about an actual friend. That, don't you want that friend to overlook some of your faults? You got them, right? Look at the person next to you and say, you got faults. Go ahead, do it. You got faults, yeah. Everybody's got faults. And if we're going to have quality relationships... We need our friends to say, you know what? I'm going to let love cover that. That's annoying. But because of our friendship, I'm going to let that one go. Okay? We need our friends to do that. But secondly, we need our friends to extend grace. Most of us would say, I don't really need grace, but I'm just telling you, you want it. Grace is good stuff. Like, friendships are strengthened by nice things that happen, like a a text that says, hey, I'm praying for you. I love you today. A a plate of cookies, (laughs) a hug, a coffee, a small gift, time together, right? What friendship is built on mercy and grace, overlooking fault and doing undeserved kindness. That's what friendship is built on. And David says, this is what I long for from God, his mercy and his grace. He is the consummate friend. So much mercy. And so much grace, so much covering of my faults, and so many good things I don't deserve. But lastly, he says he longs for his presence. I mean, you want your friends to want to be with you, right? I mean, if you reject the invitation of a friend long enough to get together, eventually that's going to harm the friendship. 
Friends want to be together. And here's what David says. Lord, I long to be in your presence. I just want to be with you. I want to experience your mercy and I want to experience your grace. But I want to experience you, Lord. I want to be with you. Jesus said in John 15, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. You, my disciples, my followers, you are my friends. So I want to encourage you to take comfort in the friendship of God. Maybe you've never thought of God this way, but he wants you to. He wants you to think of him as your friend. Mercy, grace, and presence. Mercy, grace, and presence. I was read, or listening to an interesting story this last week of former Royal Protection Officer Richard Griffin. He was telling the story of how an American tourist failed to recognize the queen when he was in charge of her and they were walking together at her holiday home in Scotland. And on their walk, they bumped into two American tourists. And you know how Americans are. Like, we don't really follow the royal family maybe as well as those that live over there would do. And he says this, it was clear from the moment that we stopped that they didn't recognize the queen. They didn't know who who she was, which is fine. She was okay with that. But after they exchanged small talk, one of the Americans asked the queen where she lived. And she told the tourists that she lived in London, but she had a holiday home in the area. Well, the naive tourist asked the queen how often she'd visited the area, to which the monarch replied, I've been coming here since I was a little child. Nearly 80 years. And the American said, well, if you've been coming here for nearly 80 years, you've probably run into the queen. She has a holiday home in the area. (laughs) Without missing a beat, Elizabeth said, well, I've never ran into her, but Dick here meets her regularly, (laughs) gesturing to her protection officer. Then the excited American tourist turned to Griffin and asked him what the queen was like. well he said with a smile she can be very cantankerous but she's got a lovely sense of humor then the American put his arm around the bodyguard's shoulder grabbed his camera gave it to the queen and said can you take a picture of the two of us he knows the queen after the photo was taken they swapped places and The bodyguard said, why don't you take a picture with my friend? So they did. And then the clueless tourists went on their way. Her majesty said to the bodyguard, you know what? I'd love to be a fly on the wall when they show those photographs to their friends in America. Hopefully somebody tells them who I am, right? (laughs) You got to be pretty clueless to be in the presence of greatness and to brush it off, right? But you know that a lot of Christians, this is where we live in our relationship with God. I mean, we're talking about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator God. He's right here. And He wants to be your friend. He wants to show you His mercy, His grace, and His presence. His presence. And it's as if we walk in here on a regular basis and we hand the camera to somebody else. Or we hand the camera to God and say, hey, take a picture with me and my friends. 
God says, hey, hold on a second. I, I am the friend of sinners. Greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. I gave you my son. I want to be your friend. And many people stand in his presence, make demands of him, accuse him of being less than a good God, and forget that he is their loving creator who just wants to be close to them and would do anything, including give his own son as payment for their sin. What an awesome God we serve. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the sacrifice to fix our broken relationship with you. Lord, you did everything necessary to reconcile us to yourself. The only thing we broken sinners need to do is to receive your free gift of salvation and place our faith in your son, Jesus Christ, and his death on the cross. But we can't say it any better than we've heard it this morning by testimony. And so today, I just ask, Lord, if, if there are some here that don't know you as Savior, that they would understand your love, your desire to be their friend, to show them mercy, grace, and have them live in your presence. What it means to put faith in Jesus Christ, help them to reach out to someone and ask some questions about the gospel. But Lord, for most of us, most of us here today, we think we have a pretty good relationship with you, and yet many times we kind of yawn our way through your presence. Forgive us for that. Lord, help us to to bow ourselves before you and thank you for your mercy and grace. We love you and we are grateful for all that you've done for us. We pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. As we close today, I'd like to stand together, sing out a great chorus. I'll sing it twice through. Just a prayer to the Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, and I live my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you watching this video of one of our recent services. It's a pleasure for us to have you join us from a distance and join our church in a time of worship around the Word of God. The most important message that we can tell you is that God loves you. And he loves you so much that He gave Jesus Christ as payment for your sins. And the Bible says that all that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. 
We want you to know that message that true life is found in Jesus Christ. An eternal life. The opportunity to live with God forever in heaven. In spite of our sinfulness. True life is only found in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Would you be willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Would you be willing to pray something like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I know there's nothing I can do about my sinfulness. I don't want to pay for my own sin. And I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want his death on the cross to pay for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my own way and make Jesus Lord of my life. Would you be willing to pray something like that and put your faith in Jesus Christ? If so, we want to help you as you start your spiritual journey with Jesus Christ. God loves you. Our church loves you. We're glad that you could watch this message today. God bless.